We are in a series called Honor Culture. Everybody say Honor, honor. Culture. Try it again. Honor, honor. Culture. I know it sounds like a curse word, but you can do it. Honor, honor. Culture. And what we've been doing is reseeding in, into our lives the truth of God's word in reference to honor. And um, this is the last part of this series. If you haven't had the opportunity to hear the other pieces, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to them. And just they're changing and rechanging and reformulating things inside of me as well as everyone else. How many have been blessed so far? Come on, let's just be honest with it. So good. Three of you. So there you go. At least three of you are getting the word of God. But, um, but you know, we live in a culture of dishonor. That it is valuable in our, in our culture to um, not honor other people. In fact, we call it kissing up or brown nosing if we honor someone else. Um, we call it, uh, you know, as weakness to actually honor. But the Bible actually calls it our strength. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16 has been our key scripture for this. And the reason why I keep bringing this passage into every part of this series is because if you put yourself in that believer's position in the early church and the word of the Lord comes forward to you, you're hiding in a cavern or a cave or something because Nero is trying to kill everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you were, had been a, you had been a pagan, you worshiped at the temple of, uh, you know, Diane or Diane, you know, sexual worship and all that. And, and, and you'd gotten saved and you'd given your life to Jesus. Your kids, your little kids are now Christians. And next thing you know, Nero is trying to kill off all the Christians. And now you've lost your home and you're living in this horrible situation and then the word of the lord comes forth first peter chapter 2 verse 16 live as servants of god honor everyone love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor and you now have to grapple with this concept of the one who's created so much havoc in my life who hates me and i've done nothing wrong i'm to honor them and that word honor means to treat as special to esteem, to value, to, to give honor, to, to, to look at as precious and to give value even if they don't give value back to you. That is what it means to honor. And so in this series, what we did was we looked the last couple of weeks at the four key entities that the Bible tells us to honor. Four very key critical entities. Number one, to honor the Lord. To mark, to mark him as the most valuable and the only great value in your whole life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, our fathers and mothers, to honor them. I taught you how to do that. We wanted this series to have some practical application. To honor authority. And it was, it was a real silent moment as I taught on that. It was real interesting to watch. You guys did well, but it was not easy as we have seen such misappropriation for positions of authority. And then also to honor one another one another, not just the brotherhood, the sisterhood, but also our fellow man, as the Bible teaches us to do. And I just want to, as we close this out today, we'll be talking about the rewards of sowing honor, to sow honor, though you may never get it back, to sow it, to give it, even though you may not ever receive it, to find value, to, ex to pull out value into something that no one else or someone that no one else even considers valuable. You know, we did this years ago. Years ago, we had this thing in our heart that we didn't want to. We were at a place at Hill City. We had to make a decision. Do we build a new campus? Uh, uh, do we build a bigger building? We were doing three, going, looking at four services. It was wearing me out to do that many services. And, uh, and, and I just thought, you know, we've got 
got to do something. And so building a new building would have cost us somewhere in the, you know, 15, 20 million dollar range. And we said, well, do we want to do that? Or what's our calling? And at Hill City, we recognize the purpose of God on our life is to raise up leaders and let leaders lead. Come on, somebody. All of you have callings and anointings. And, uh, and so, you know, when we fail here at Hill City, we typically fail and believing in people too much. And I figured if I was going to fail at, at something, let me fail at believing in people too much instead of believing in people too little. Come on, somebody ought to shout amen right there, I tell you. And so because of that, you know, people's humanities and I'm believing in them and they're failing and we're doing our best. And we just decided, you know what, we're going to just, we're going to go to where the people are at. And so the opportunity came to start looking for other campuses to open up and, and our leadership said, let's do that. And we found a little, well, my wife did this beat up nasty of a building in downtown Mansfield where they were doing a lot of revitalization. And she found this old church building that was from the, you know, the early 1900s and uh, should have been condemned. And, um, and the, the little churches had had it for a few years and, and it had gone on. In fact, they had had a fire years earlier and all they did, we did, unbeknownst to us, they just covered it over with sheetrock. So the entire ceiling was burnt out and the walls were, were, were uh, flexing outward. And so uh, my wife, who can find beauty in the wickedest of places, forever the person of honor. <laughs> and, uh, and so she, she, I went out of town, and so she got the lead team and went over there and talked them into buying this building and came back, and they were all convincing me it was the Lord. And so, and so we purchased this building, and it was, guys, when I tell you it was bad, it was bad. And then once we purchased it, then the city revealed to us that they had already started uh, with the church that had had it. They had already started, um, you know, the, the paperwork to condemn the facility. So we bought a to be condemned facility. And uh, you want to talk about a mess. And so as we opened it up to start remodeling it, we spent another $50,000 in projected simply because the things that the people before us didn't reveal to us, which then made me mad because Christians are supposed to act like Christians and tell you the truth about stuff. And so then we were back and forth. Do we go into litigation? And we were like, you know what? For the kingdom of God. May the peace of God reign in this situation. And so we went ahead and we remodeled it. And, uh, and, and it was terrible. Guys, I can't express to you enough how horrible, how much. Listen, we had to rip out the baptism, uh, baptistry because everything under the baptistry, it had been leaking for 30 years and nobody knew how to fix it. Think about that leak in your house under your sink for 30 years. And so we ripped that all out, ripped all the stuff out, all the asbestos. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, old buildings like that. And remodeled that thing. And can I tell you, they once we remodeled, we kept the little stained glass windows, uh, uh, you know, in the little sanctuary. Once we remodeled it, the city got wind of it. It cost us, it cost us $50,000, $60,000 because we had to add a little bit of parking just to park the few people that we even had coming. And it cost us like $60,000 or something just to add 26 parking spots just so we could have a little bit of parking in which the neighbors all park in all week long anyway and drop their oil on our brand new parking lot. But praise be to God who, come on, you know what I'm talking about, just average everyday people stuff. And the city got so excited about the new, the remodel of this beautiful piece of property that the, that the local news came out and did a report on how this historic building has been saved by Hill City Church. And when I tell you, when you go over there now, you're like, this is the most incredible place. All because someone saw value when no one else did. I don't know about you, but I would rather, I'd rather restore a marriage than tear down a marriage. 
I would rather restore a broken individual than throw them to a side and say, you're never going to be worth anything to me or anybody else. This is what honor does. Honor finds value and shows value even when no one else sees it. I want to take a moment. I found this little video of this young man named Josh. And I want to show you this footage for just a few minutes, if you don't mind. And this young man had lost his father. He was being bullied and different things were happening in his life. And, he, and no one valued him. And he, instead of what most of us would do, instead of becoming bitter at the world, he decided that he was going to show value even though no one showed value to him. And I want you to see the miracle that happened as he sowed value even though no one cared about his own value. Would you play that for them for just a moment? From what I understand, his father passed away, and he would have pictures of him in his locker. Some students thought it would be a good idea to rip down those pictures and harass him and bully him for missing and loving his father. Going through what I went through, you kind of keep to yourself. You don't know who you are or anything. You're just walking through the space, empty space. It's kind of like a, a puzzle. You're trying to find your way to the good things in life. I hope that attending the school, I would be treated like everyone else. I just wanted to make it and just be a normal kid. I was sick and tired of being a no one. I wanted to be someone and I wanted to reach out to people and show who I was. I just remember at first they called him the doorman. They thought he was weird. It was definitely kind of weird. It took a while for people to adjust. But once people realized that he was continuing with it, it almost became something to look forward to in the morning. Like, you walk up the stairs and you know that Josh Ann's going to be standing there with a big smile on his face saying good morning. No problem. The first few weeks when I started doing it, they were kind of shocked. Good, you? Thank you. Not many people hold doors, right? But after that, people started to open up to me. Opening a door is more than a physical act. It's about putting yourself out there, getting to know people, Making them feel comfortable, making them feel welcome. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Opening Josh. doors, it gives people hope that people care. He had literally just by holding doors and saying good morning, he had turned like he'd made a drastic change in his life. It was definitely a positive effect. Like it made people want to do nice things for other people. Like it was, he set a good example for other students. Everything changed huge. I mean, everyone said it. All the teachers, the students felt it. They, they talked about it, you know, that he, he changed things in the school. And he was a changed, a changed Josh. We were honored to have Josh, very privileged. Any school would have benefited. I think prom king was a way to say thank you from the students and the staff. So when he won, it was like his moment to shine. When we heard Josh Yant's name pulled out, it was like pretty much the whole, everyone should have just ran up there and been prom king because it felt like everybody won.
Yeah, he's standing tall and straight. He's got the big grin on his face and got the crown. I never expected to get an award or anything like that. I guess I, I was just happy enough to make it through. Just one year and things are, are totally turned around. Totally. Come on, let's give it up for Josh. Can you believe that? A young man that no one valued, and instead of becoming embittered and hateful towards everyone, he decided he would start showing and sowing value into others by just holding the door. Just holding the door. And you heard, teenagers are so amazing, right? First we're like, who is this weird kid? Why is he holding the door for me? Because it's so out of the norm. No one shows value like that. But the more he kept doing it, the more they kind of fell in love with him. And they realized, and they and literally said, change the entire school. And his senior year, they vote him prom king. Not because he's the most popular, because he's the only one holding doors, giving value, showing value to others. Friend, can I tell you something? If you don't get set free from your need to always get value from everyone else, when you start showing and sowing into others the value that they deserve, that'll come back as a reward to you. I promise you, God will reward you and the value that you need and the honor that you need to experience as you give honor. Honor to others. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. So with that being said, I want to show you some of the scriptural rewards of sowing honor. Everybody say this with me. I will sow honor. Say it again. I will sow honor. And as you commit to that, let me show you some of the rewards that the Bible talks about. Number one, the first reward of sowing honor into others is a good reputation. A good reputation. Write that down and let me explain it to you. In Proverbs chapter 3 in verse 1 through 4. My son, do not forget my teaching. But have your heart comply with my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace will be added to you or will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So that you will find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and man. See, when you sow, when you sow honor into others, when you obey the Lord and say, you know what, I'm going to treat this person as valuable, even though I don't like them, even though what they've done is wrong. As you begin to sow that seed, what happens is you end up with a good reputation like Josh. Everyone, have you heard about this guy, Josh? Do you know about this guy, Josh? I've got a, I've got a friend of mine. He, he, his son was actually born at the same time in the hospital with my son. I, it, it was unbelievable back in Louisiana. His name is Trey Major. And Trey Major's dad uh, worked for years at this particular company. It was a large company there in Louisiana. Uh, you know, had you know national and international, you know, uh, uh, you know different uh, parts of the company. And uh, and his dad retired a few years ago. And uh, recently, uh, Pastor Jonathan was talking to Trey. And he said, "Man, what's your dad doing these days?" And he said, "Oh man, the company hired him back." So what do you mean hired him back? He had such a good reputation. That they said, listen, I know you're retired. I know we're paying your time, but we want to pay you just to take our clients out to play golf. Because when they get with you, your reputation is so good because you honor people so well. You treat people so valuable that we cannot allow you to not be in our company. We need you so much that we will pay you to go play golf. Who does that? That's what a good reputation will get you. See, when you sow honor 
you'll end up with a good reputation. I wonder, do, what do people say about you from your last company, from your last church, from your last neighborhood? Do you have a good reputation? I promise you, if you will start adding value to people, you will end up with a good reputation. You will have such a good name. And the Bible talks about that a good name is more valuable than gold and riches. A good name. I want a good reputation. I know I make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, don't lift your hand. But the rest of us, if you make mistakes in life, just go ahead and throw it up and say, yeah, me too. I know I make mistakes. But a good reputation will nullify all the negative things that I've done and all the mistakes I've made. As I sow, I will have, the Bible says, a good reputation. Here's the second reward of sowing honor. Write this one down, and that is the supernatural. You will see the supernatural in your life as you sow honor. Let me, let me point this out to you. I've got to read a little bit of verses here. If you don't mind, we can read the Bible together in Luke chapter 7 and verses 1 through 10. It said, when Jesus had finished saying all of this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was a sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus. Now, this is a centurion. This is a Roman leader. The Romans had pretty much conquered the Jews and everyone else. So this centurion, this man who's over hundreds of other men, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, speaking to him to come and heal his servant. Verse 4, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So verse 6, so Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then this man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. The centurion sends message. Hey, this guy Jesus is in town. He is the Messiah. This centurion believes this. He believes that this is God's man, that this is God in the flesh. So he sends a message. He loves his servant so much. He doesn't treat him with discontent and just go get him another servant. He loves this employee at the lowest level of his, of his operation. He loves him so much. He sends message to the Messiah. Would you come? Because I know if you come, you can heal him. And as Jesus is on his way, he sends other messengers, other friends, and said, listen, don't even come into my house. I recognize I'm pagan. I recognize I'm not good enough to have you come. And I, or I feel as I'm not good enough to have you come under my roof. Sir, just speak the word. He says, I understand authority. I understand honor. I understand submission. Sir, I have people who do what I tell them to do. I am a man under authority and a man with authority. All I need you to do is just speak the word. And when Jesus hears this, everyone following him him. He does that whole like, oh no, oh my goodness, what, oh my, hold up. Let me just say something right here to all you followers of God. This non-follower of Jehovah, this guy who's never read the Torah, 
This guy who didn't grow up in church, let me say in front of all you church people, this dude has greater faith than any of you suckers around here because he understands honor. He understands the value of who I am. And so Jesus said, let it be done. By the time they got back to the house, that servant was completely healed. When you sow honor, you will see the supernatural. You will see the supernatural as you sow honor into relationships. Even those who've not honored you, as you sow honor into it, you'll see miracles. You'll see miracles in relationships. You'll see miracles in finances. You'll see, listen, there is no, why fight for it? Why not just give it to them? See, you're fighting and you try to hold on. Just give it to them. Just give it to them. You know, who, whose property line is right, right in the middle? I just give it to you. Just sow it into you. The next thing you know, you get a bigger house. You're like, ah, I love you. God bless you. You can have that little piece right there. It's amazing when we so honor the supernatural reward that comes from that. It's unbelievable. Here's the third thing I would teach you. You still with me? Say yes. Are you sure? Say yes. Oh, come on. You're not still with me. Say yes. Let me just go back to the supernatural. I want, I want, Jamie and I, years ago, had three miscarriages. Our little babies died. You've heard us talk about it. We would take their little bodies and put them in a Ziploc bag and go bring them up to the hospital for them to run tests on why this was happening. And that I really went through this bitterness moment with the Lord. And the reason why is because my logic was much like many of yours. I have served you. I've lived holy when everybody else has been perverted. I've kept myself pure. My wife and I have given everything to you. We quit business and opportunities to be wealthy, to be in ministry, to, so we can minister to your wonderful sheep who never bite or kick or stab. And all I asked you to do was heal my babies, and you didn't. And I was so angry at the Lord for that season, and I, the Lord healed me of my own anger towards him. And Jamie and I would travel the nations telling people that story and how God had done that. And we just... And I'm going to tell you something. Men and women would come up to us after those messages in churches all around the nation. And with tears coming down their cheeks, they would say, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And they would look at us and they would say, if God can heal you, he can heal us. Would you pray for us? They would have such respect for us and what we had been through. And then they're having difficulties getting pregnant or having miscarriages. And they would say, if we can just get Adam and Jamie to pray for us, he'll heal us just like he. They had such an honor for our ministry, such an honor. And they valued and respected what we had went through. And they saw that God could use us to help them. And in that respect, Jamie and I would lay hands on them. And I promise you, I have gotten more emails around the nation have come into me, uh, come into Jamie and I that, hey, after you prayed for us, after you believed. God with us. We now have two kids. We now have a son. We now have gotten pregnant. There are a lot of little Cohens and Mariahs around the nations because what they would do is they would then name their children after my children simply because they couldn't believe that God would heal them and that God would do it. They had honor for us. And because they would honor us, the power of God could flow through. I'm telling you, there's this truth in this thing. When you and I show value to others, even if they don't deserve it, God will do supernatural things in the middle of that. You still there? Say yes. In fact, I would say this to you. You are sitting in the middle of a miracle. Jamie and I were traveling the nations of the world. 
I was doing missions works overseas. I would speak in all the big conferences in the United States, running a Bible school. And a man prophesied to us. And I'll never forget it. We were in our living room. And this, and, uh, excuse me, I, I, I got this phone call from, from a friend of mine and said, hey, there's a prophet who's looking for a man named Adam McCain. And I told him, I know an Adam McCain. And God had woke him up in the middle of the night, gave him the name Adam McCain in three pages of prophecy. And he's been calling around saying, does anyone know Adam McCain? And so I said, well, that's weird. And he said, well, he has a word for you. And, and I told him, I knew a guy. And, and so he'd like to meet you and give you this prophecy. And I said, well, okay, when would he like to come and meet me? And he said, well, he lives out in South Texas, and he, I'll, I'll set it up for you guys. So he drove in, and he gave us these three pages, handwritten, tear stains all over them, where God woke him up in the middle of the night. He just started writing. And the prophecy said, if I could summarize it, I'm doing a new thing in the earth. I've chosen you for a new wineskin so that I can pour out my new wine. I've chosen you to do what no one else is willing to do, and that is... Do small group life and declare to every believer that they can disciple others and push them and push them and push them until they make disciples so that they don't end up in heaven empty-handed. I'm doing something new. It's a new thing. And God says, I picked you, Adam McCain, to do it. Let go of everything else and do it. And Jamie and I went, you got to be kidding. And we said, yes. We honored that prophetic word. And that's why Hill City is here today. It would not be here had we not honored that. You just know us maybe because we traveled to your church and preached at your big conference or something. We honored that word. And that's the supernatural experience that all of us have together because we honored the word of the Lord. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. Here's the third reward as we so honor. Here's the third thing that happens. And that is it brings unity. Everybody say unity. Unity. People working together for the common good. Our country is so disunified right now. Churches are so disunified. This spirit of disunity has just ravished families and communities. It's really been unleashed. And I love what, excuse me, Romans chapter 12 and verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. See, as you so value into people of low position, whatever low means to you, not worthy of your affection, not worthy of your honor because they consider themselves somebody big because they're wealthy, maybe because they're poor, maybe because they're a different culture than you. Do not, the Bible says, literally it says, for, he says, live in harmony. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Show honor, if I could translate it like that, if I could paraphrase, show honor. This is literally what happens. Because when we do that, the unity of the brothers and sisters in Christ begin to happen. We begin to come together because we value one another and we show value. No, none of us want to be friends with someone who never shows us value. None of you are friends with people that you feel like disrespect you. But no one wants to be friends with you when they feel like you disrespect them. So when you and I show honor, it brings unity to the table. It brings us together. Ted Haggard was a real famous preacher, pastor. He was a friend of ours um, back in the day in Colorado Springs, Colorado. When Ted moved to Colorado from Baton Rouge, where we're all from, he had been my first youth pastor. He moved there to plant a church, to actually take over his father-in-law's church. And then it ended up he had to plant a church. And, and so as he planted this church, the area that he was in in Colorado Springs was known as having more witch and, and satanic covens and witchcraft than any other area in the United States. So Ted went about 
spiritual warfare and breaking those things off. He'd have witches show up at his house, knock on his front door, say, leave here. We're going to kill you. He'd have all these things happen. And he just kept grinding it out, grinding it out. And before you knew it, the thing broke. And, 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 and his church kind of exploded. And at some point, his church is one of the largest churches, fastest growing churches in the United States. And then all of a sudden, we see this pivot in Ted Haggard and the church and there in Colorado Springs, New Life Church. They begin to invest in all the other churches in the city. And they, they begin to say this, if we're growing and you're not growing, then our city will be lost. If you're a Bible-believing church, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, it doesn't matter that your flavor may be a little different than us. It doesn't matter that you're Methodist or Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Spirit-filled or full gospel or AG or whatever it is. We, as a collective of believers, have to take this city for Jesus because the demonic forces has declared Colorado Springs and the surrounding area for them. And so they begin to come together. And Ted literally would let all the, he had the biggest church, but he wouldn't even speak. And, and what do you have to say, pastor? What should we do better? And they begin to come together as a, they begin to help each other. They begin to help finance each other's outreaches. Other churches would give to help that other church do an outreach. They start helping other churches plan. And before you knew it, within 20 years, it was one of the most Christian cities in the United States. People began to move their ministries there because they said the moment that they drove into Colorado Springs, they could feel the presence of God. The supernatural presence of God. Because Ted, 20 years earlier, began saying, your church is as valuable as my church. My church may be a little bigger, but your church is needed. And we got to have your flavor. Because if we don't have your flavor, then the enemy gets that space. And so we got to have your flavor and your flavor and my flavor and all. And together, collectively, we can change this city for Jesus. And as they unified like that, the supernatural power began to just shake everything in the city. And it became known as a city that belonged to God. All because... One pastor began to show value, so value, into the other churches around, and that brought unity. I promise you, if you're having problems in your marriage, start sowing value into your spouse. If you're having rebelliousness with your, your young people, with your children, sow value. So value into them. I love you. I believe in you. I know mom and dad don't always do it right, but you're amazing and you're going to change the world. Start sowing value. What does that look like? Well, every situation's different, but so value. Honor and you'll have the unity you've been believing for. Are you still there? Say yes. James 3 and 16 says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. It's hard to honor someone when you envy them. It's difficult, it's difficult to be a person who gives honor when you live with selfish ambition to be the top dog everywhere you're at. If you walk in the room and you look around to see who the most popular person is and trying to figure out how you can take that space, that's called selfish ambition. That envy is causing nothing but strife and evil practices, the Bible says. But when you and I walk in the room and say, I'm the servant of all, how can I show value to everyone else here? How the little guy just hold the door? Hold it. No one loves me. No one validates me. I lost my dad. But you know, I'm going to hold the, thanks. Thank you for coming to school today. Thank you for coming to school. Man, God bless you. Have a good day. As he began to so honor, as he began to so value into others, by the end of it all, and what you may not have realized, they took the door that he held every day, took it off the hinges, his as he graduated, and everyone in the whole school signed it. And now forever, he's got the momentum that I sowed value into others, and I saw the reward of that, 
and brought our school together in unity. I bring you to the next, if you will, benefit of sowing value, and that is, number four, write this down, favor. Everybody say favor. I used to love Bishop Jakes used to preach a message called favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. But I will tell you how to get favor in your life by sowing honor into others. Again, we've got to kill this concept of you're kissing up or you're brown nosing. As you, as you sow honor into others, you'll, you'll reap favor. Look what the Message Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next. Not two-faced. Everybody say not two-faced. Not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. It's telling us the church will have the favor of God on it if we will stop grappling with each other and just start showing favor and start honoring one another, the favor of God will be upon us. Can I tell you something? Instead of always fighting with your supervisor, respect them. So you know what? I'm going to do it better than you told me to do it. And I promise you the favor of God. You say, how come that guy always gets promoted and I never get promoted? He's a kiss-up. I can't do it. I can't be brown-nosing nobody. I can't do it. Mm. You can't give value to someone and probably because you have never felt valuable. And when you get to a place in God where you realize he died on the cross for me. He laid his life down so I could have life. My value is not, it's not in what I accomplish. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. It's not in, it's not in the trophies of this world. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. He had all these trophies, all these things he had accomplished. He said, but none of it matters because I didn't even know Jesus in the process of all that. And now I'm pressing to know Jesus. I just want to know him. Somehow obtain to his likeness the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ. You and I. Our value is not in the fact that we make more money than everyone else or that we live in a nicer home or that we've got more educational degrees attached to our name. Our value is in one beautiful truth that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Climbed up on that cross and he whispered, Adam, I'm coming for you. He loves you. So you can show value because you spend eternity with, in, with Jesus in heaven. You can show value to others. And I promise you, as you do that, one of the rewards of that is going to be, or one of the benefits, it's going to be favor. It'll be favor in your life. You just can't outfavor a person who honors others. God will make it happen. And you've got to get delivered from the kiss up. I ain't going to do it. Ain't nobody going to make me. You just need to say, you know what? You're in charge. I think you're an idiot, but I love you. And I'm going to do it better than you could even tell me to do it. I'm going to be here early, and I'm going to be the last one to leave in, in the evenings. I'm going to do my job better than anyone else, and I'm going I'm to sow goodness into everyone around me. And before you know it, everyone's going to say, that's the person we got to promote. That's the person we got to give this whole thing over to because they have been honorable. And here's the last, if you will, benefit, 
and that is reward. Everybody say reward. reward. The reason why this is critical for you to understand, I'm going to quote you the passage out of Matthew, Jesus speaking in chapter 10, verse 41. He says, anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he's a righteous man will receive a righteous man reward. Now, I just need to help you understand Scripture a little bit. Let me help you with your doctrine a little bit. We do not do good works to be saved. Somebody say amen. amen. Try it again. Say amen. amen. I don't do good works so that God will bless me and love me and, and, and accept me. The moment I fall on my knees and I declare Jesus is my Lord and Savior, he accepts me. Everybody say amen. amen. I'm saved by faith not by works. Are you tracking with me? But then the Bible will almost mess your mind up if you don't understand it properly and say, but let us go forth and do good works. Oh, wait a minute. I have to do good. No, I'm accepted. I have heaven as my reward. I am accepted. But at the same time, the Lord says, but those of you who obey me, come on, anybody with a bunch of kids, the kid who does who obeys you versus the kid who always disobeys you? This kid got a new car at graduation. This kid is living with, his, with your cousin. <laughs> We're not that extreme, I get it. But at the same time, you understand the principle. And so I don't, I don't do good things to get Jamie to love me. She loves me. But because I love her, I take out the trash. Because I love her, I don't mess with any other women. Because I love her, my love for her is real and intense and raw and forever. Because I love her, I can't wait to bless her. Are you tracking with me? Because I love Jesus, I got to help you. Because I love Jesus I, and because he loves me and because he saved me, I, I, got, I, I got to do good things in my community. Are you tracking with me? That's the attitude of what the passages are talking about. And then he says, and don't you doggone think that I'm not going to reward you in heaven because of it. That's why he says, do not store up for yourself riches in this life where, raw, where moths and rust do destroy. But store up for yourself riches in heaven where no one can take it away from you. Corinthians is very clear that there will be reward for us in heaven. And we don't know what it is. I don't know if all of you are going to be wanting to go over, um, you know, to uh, Miss Donna Hart's mansion because she served more than the rest of us. And we're going to be like, dang, look at her pool. I wish one, if I could just, just love that kid one more time better, I might have got a diving board at my pool. We have no idea. The Bible's not clear on what those rewards will look like. But there are rewards waiting for those who are obedient, those who love, those who do what Jesus asked us to do and love in our community. There are rewards. In fact, this passage, he's talking about this. And I want to make this clear to you. If you serve a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Let me just put this in some perspective. I get the privilege of bringing the word forth. I then get the privilege on Sundays to call people to a relationship with Jesus. And every Sunday, someone lifts their hand and says, I, I want Jesus. Because I have done that in obedience and people's lives are being changed, there's a reward for me in heaven. But when you serve a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What type of reward? A prophet's reward. So let's just, let's come up with some weird, obscure figures. Let's say there's a hundred credits in heaven for me every time someone gets saved on a Sunday. But because you held that door and welcomed them in, because you served them a latte, because you loved on their children while they were, while, while they were in kids ministry, the Bible says you receive the same reward I received. 
You receive the same reward because you gave effort and energy and sowed value into others while we were doing this together. Whatever, if I got 100 credits, you got 100 credits. Those kids, in, those people in the kids' ministry, they're getting 100 credits. Guys in the, in, the, in, the, in the cafe, 100 credits. Why? Because Jesus laid this out. Because as you, as you give, as you sow, as you give out of what you have to give, there's reward. God will not be mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. He will not. If you, if you give away, he will be sure that you get. We don't give to get. We give to give. And in the midst of that, God goes, watch, I'm going to reward my precious ones. And you need to know that. I tell people all the time, especially when ministry's tough, and I want to stab everybody. It happens frequently. I just want to point that out. It is not easy pastoring a multiracial church in these hours. You know, you know, everybody's got their opinion on vaccination, not vaccination, mass, the devil, this and the devil, the preacher needs to tell them this and all this kind of, it is not an easy task. And so there are times where I'm like, you know what? I don't need this. And the Lord says, I told you to do it and you love them. I know I love them, but I want to beat them all. I just want to whoop them all. <laughs> and then he reminds me, he goes, but remember their rewards as you're obedient. I'm like, Amen. So I don't know if I'm going to have an extra toaster in heaven than the rest of you guys, but I'm going to tell you right now, there are times that the rewards keep me going. I just want to be honest about it, that I know that he's going to reward our diligence. I don't want to be a part of a church where men and women devalue each other. We're always going to be challenged with that because hurt people hurt people. We all have brokenness, and we're all going to do something dumb that offends our brother and sister. But we have to cultivate the culture of honor because we are surrounded in a community in a time frame where dishonor seems to be the culture of the day. And so we are going to be this little place like salmon swimming upstream. But friend, I tell you, I would rather look like Jesus and act like Jesus. I would, rather, I would rather honor and value men and women than to sit here and pick you apart and all the things that you're not doing right, all the stuff I'm not doing right. We, rebu- we rebuke a culture of dishonor, and we say as a church body that we will honor one another, honor the Lord, honor our moms and dads. Come on, somebody. We will honor the weak. We will honor and show value to those who've never been shown value to. Would you stand with me quickly across the room? Hey everybody, wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it, consider it, pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know. We want to know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place, 
Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.